Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. We appreciate it. Hope you are safe and well. Tell you what, I had a big day yesterday, a big discovery. This is, I call this a sign of the times. After two months of looking, I found some Clorox disinfecting wipes yesterday in a store. I couldn't believe it. And there they were sitting on the shelf. I grabbed my uh, grabbed one of the containers, only one. There were a few more there. I did not take more than one, just took the one container and couldn't believe it. I, I thought to myself, how it, it shows what times we're living in. I was so excited to finally find them after looking for so long, but uh, such are the times. Well, hope you are well, and we have lots to talk about on the program today. We're going to talk with uh, the U.S. Grains Council about uh, the work that's been done, the latest move that clears U.S. sorghum exports to Vietnam. We'll talk about that. Also, with all the focus on the meatpacking plants and and worker safety and and moving meat uh, to restaurants and stores, we're going to go to a community in western Illinois, Monmouth, Illinois. They have a a Smithfield Foods plant there. And we're going to talk with their mayor and city administrator. And we're going to look at how it's going with uh, that plant in that community obviously provides jobs. What about health concerns and how the city is working with Smithfield Foods? We're going to get to go to that community and get the very latest. Also, we're going to get a planting update from uh, Illinois in the Quad Cities area, see what, how much is done and how much the concern there is about some cold temperatures here in the next day or so, next night or so, especially for corn that's coming up. So that's coming up on today's program as well. So lots to talk about. We're joined now by Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Phil, hope you're well. Yep, great to be here. And I, and I really want to know, you, you found lights in the store, did you find some meat? I'm still finding meat, yeah, fortunately, we're very fortunate. Day, yeah, it? that's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah. you know, I thought I thought it's it's kind of ironic where I got those uh, those uh, disinfecting wipes, and I said I left a few containers still on the shelf. I only took the one. I was back in that store a little later, just a, oh, a couple hours or so later. They were all gone. <laughs> they they did not last long. So uh, I hope no one, not one person, took them all. I hope maybe several people got those that were left. Uh, hey, you wrote a story about uh, the truck to trunk food box plan uh, by USDA. Uh, interesting that we're kind of all kind of watching to see how this is going to work. Tell us about this, uh, what it's uh, this farm to families food box program. How will it work? Yeah, well, basically this is a response to all of the food, uh, the produce and that went to the plowed into the fields and uh, milk that uh, had to be dumped uh, over the last few weeks, U.S. really hurriedly put together this uh, plan uh, that's very ambitious. It's something they have not done before, and uh, they're trying to deal with an issue that uh, with the food banks. The food banks uh, are short of volunteers. That uh, many of them don't have cold storage, and so they're not set up to handle a lot of uh, produce and uh, and uh, milk, uh, dairy products, uh, and uh, meat. So the uh, the plan is basically to take the distributors who usually are 
taking food to restaurants that are now closed in schools and universities and take those distributors and have them move this uh, produce and uh, milk and dairy products and pork and chicken, put it into boxes that uh, a house, you know, basically a household size box, and then deliver them to sites so that people can pick them up from the truck, put them into their car, put them into their truck, and uh, and uh, head home. Uh, people that so many people that um, are uh, you know unemployed uh, and uh, needing food right now. There are people that are skeptical and critical of the plan. Oh, I think part of the criticism is that they waited, uh, saying that USDA waited too long. They should have uh, acted uh, much more quickly. You know, uh, bureaucracies move slowly. And again, but this is just something uh, that they have not done before. USDA is used to buying commodities in large quantities and uh, then uh, having them distributed to food banks to schools, universities, that kind of thing, but in bulk. If this is trying to take fresh product uh, that needs to be uh, refrigerated uh, and get it, uh, put it into a form that uh, families could use. They just don't do this. Of course, one of the questions is, as some parts of the country are reopening, and as that food service restaurant business starts back up, Will distributors still participate in a program like this? Yeah, well, that's one of the big uh, big questions. There are a lot of questions about this. Uh, we don't know how widely it's going to be distributed. We'll find out more possibly after tomorrow. Tomorrow is when uh, USDA is actually awarding the bids. They, they asked them. The bids had to be in by last Friday. They uh, are awarding the bids. Tomorrow, it's an incredibly fast turnaround for the federal government. Um, but uh, not until after we you know, begin to see who's, uh, who's awarded the bids and where they're going to distribute. We don't know how, how widely are they, gonna, are they going to, is it going to be available in, in rural areas? Are we going to have fresh produce in the Midwest? Uh, all, those, all those sorts of questions. It looks like the dairy industry is probably best set up. Uh, to, you know, do national distribution just because you have uh, uh, processors all over the all over the country. Yeah, and as you reported, some dairy processors have asked for flexibility to vary the mix of products in boxes depending on the needs of different groups of recipients. There's the refrigeration issue and some things like that to work on. But obviously the need is there. Uh, a survey in April said uh, 95% of food banks in the Feeding America Network reported an increase in demand for assistance and an average increase of 70%. That shows the, the tremendous need that is out there. Yeah, yeah, you have lots of uh, folks who are not on the food stamp or SNAP program. Uh, they may need to supplement that, uh, and so they go to food pantries uh, and uh, various sites, uh, uh, churches, and others that are offering those products. What food banks typically don't offer, of course, is uh, these sort of fresh products, just because it's it's much harder uh, to get them and. Well, again, a lot of places just don't have the refrigeration, the capability to, uh, to store them. 
Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Hopefully it will go well. We'll learn more of the details tomorrow. Phil, good to talk with you. Good reporting, and thanks for being with us. Stay safe. All right. Glad to be here. Thanks. Take care. Phil Brasher with AgriPulse Communications. Well, it looks like the door is opening to move U.S. sorghum into Vietnam. We'll talk about that with the U.S. Grains Council coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. This is a call for all farmers to come to the aid of their beans. Liberty Herbicide can now be applied on your Enlist E3 soybeans. Superior weed control, greater application flexibility, no known resistance in U.S. row crops. Liberty Herbicide battles tough weeds so your beans can live free and grow healthy. Talk to your BASF rep to learn more. Always read and follow label directions. Liberty is a registered trademark of BASF. Enlist E3 is a trademark of Dow AgroSciences. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Looks like the door is opening to the Vietnamese market for U.S. sorghum. Here to talk about it is Kerry Sifereth. He is the Senior Director for Global Programs for the U.S. Grains Council. Kerry, thanks for joining us. Uh, tell us about the, this project and uh, what's, uh, what's been going on to open that market up for U.S. sorghum producers. Well, it, yeah, it's, uh, we had to have a pest risk assessment uh, completed um, between uh, the two governments, so USDA's APHIS Animal Plant Health Inspection Service and then Vietnam's uh, plant pre- Protection Department, which is part of their Ministry of Agriculture and Rural Development. Um, and so the uh, U.S. Grain Council, along with our uh, sorghum organizations that are members of ours, the United Sorghum Checkoff Program and the National Sorghum Producers, have been working jointly um, with USDA, <clears throat> as well as then our people on the ground in Vietnam working with the Vietnamese government to make sure this took place. It's taken about two years to actually get the pest risk assessment uh, finally approved which just was done um here uh, on monday of this week which then allows uh us to any any vietnamese uh, company to request an import license and buy and import sorghum from the u.s this reminds us again of how long market development work uh, has to uh, go how long it takes to get to an announcement like this mm-hmm. to open up a market. I and mean, as you said, it's been years working on this mm-hmm. to get to this point. Yes. Um, and, you know, our, uh, again, and our sorghum uh, members, especially the United Sorghum Checkoff Program and the U.S. Grand Council, we, we started even doing some more in, uh, you know, like five years back, doing some in-depth work on where we thought <clears throat> sorghum could fit into uh, the growing uh, feed and livestock uh, and, and aquaculture uh, sectors there in Vietnam, um, and then ran into uh, an issue when we thought we could have sorghum uh, move in and found out, well, we needed to have this pest risk assessment done and started that process basically in April, May of 2018, somewhere in there. Um, and so, yeah, it's taken us <clears throat> about uh, two years to get that done. It's um, there, there are times when pest risk assessments get done much quicker than that, uh, but the Vietnamese uh, wanting to 
make sure they had all the information they wanted to uh, definitely maybe took a little bit of extra time to complete all of that. So what guidelines, what criteria will U.S. sorghum have to meet to be able to be sold into Vietnam? Um, well, now that that pest risk assessment is done, which means the Vietnamese government trusts the the way sorghum is produced and handled and, and exported, so there's <clears throat> uh, that allows uh, uh, APHIS uh, to be able to issue a phyto certificate um, for export to Vietnam now that we meet those requirements that the Vietnamese government had just through this assessment showing that our production and uh, origination and exporting systems meet those requirements. Um, now, Vietnam does have a, uh, a fumigation protocol um, where <clears throat> that's already in place for corn and wheat um, and even distiller dried grains. And so now sorghum would follow that same <clears throat> fumigation protocol um, but that's uh, already in place, and so, um, and, and again, anybody that would want to export can now do that, and <clears throat> APHIS would be able to issue a FIDO certificate, and whether we're sending containerized shipments or uh, ocean bulk vessels of sorghum to Vietnam going forward, we, should, we wouldn't have any um, headaches or any problems with APHIS issuing the FIDO certificates for that to happen. We're talking with Kerry Sifereth with the U.S. Grains Council about U.S. sorghum going into Vietnam. How big a market will Vietnam be for U.S. sorghum? Well, it's, it's hard to know for sure. I mean, Vietnam, it's a rapidly growing uh, uh, feed, uh, poultry, swine, uh, aquaculture business. Uh, they've had some and have gone through the African swine fever issues, but they're starting to bounce back from that. But uh on the last couple of years, we've seen uh, Vietnam import around uh, 10 million tons or more uh, corn a year. Um, so that's you know 394 to 400 million bushels of corn on average the last few years. Um, <clears throat> they also import some feed wheat at times, and so we see sorghum coming in in replacement of uh, domestic cassava in some of the aquaculture diets. Um, as their their cassava prices are quite high um, <clears throat> domestically there in Vietnam. We see some benefits for specific high-end uses in, in the pet food sectors in, in Vietnam um, and and even maybe even to some uh, beverage and food uh, uses there in Vietnam. So it's, it's right now it'll be uh, kind of difficult to know exactly what the size is, but obviously that large uh, market there and now that they have the option of another feed grain to look at, um, specifically even from the U.S., uh, where we tend to be the major uh, sorghum exporter globally. I was going to ask, who will be our biggest competitor in that market? Um, I mean, you see our, our Australia and Argentina are usually the other major exporters of sorghum. Um, Australia, with the difficult drought years they've had the last two years, um, their exports of sorghum um, that normally go to China, predominantly, and as does most of our sorghum today, um, that's really slowed down. <clears throat> Argentina still has some exportable supplies, but their sorghum tends to have tannin levels, which then requires you to do some blending or very careful what types of livestock you feed it in where 
<clears throat> where uh, U.S. Uh, sorghum would, is certified to be tannin-free, and so you don't have those worries or issues. And so uh, while there's competition out there, it's not as big of competition as we have in corn where we have Brazilian and uh, Argentine and you know, the Vietnam market even looks at Ukrainian and Russian corn imports. So uh, it's less, less of a crowded field on the sorghum side than corn is. Kerry, how soon does this go into effect? How soon do, could we see sorghum going into Vietnam? Um, well, we've, it went into effect on the Vietnam side May 1st, on the U.S. side May 4th, this Monday. Um, so it's, yeah, it's an effect on both sides now. Uh, how soon? Uh, that's where you know, we're already talking to importers in Vietnam and, and making sure they're aware of that. And we'll be doing some, uh, some programming on the benefits of using of sorghum and uh, some of the specialty markets that we see there, especially on the pet food side. And but we've already done some work on use of U.S. sorghum and pangasius uh, uh, aquaculture um gas is like a catfish type bread um in the past with our u.s uh, sorghum uh, members so there's a lot of work that's been done and we'll continue to remind buyers in vietnam that they're this they now have this ability to import without any uh, hassles and so uh, how soon it'll be tough to know but uh, we'll definitely keep working on that um you know we continue to see strong exports of u.s sorghum to china um, and I think a lot of people even waiting for some of the new crop to start coming in. You know, we see that South uh, Texas new crop coming in in late June into July. Um, so we'll even have new crop available for the export market to here um, by early to mid-July. So um, that could even change things uh, going forward as far as starting to move uh, uh, sorghum into Vietnam. So there is an educational component to this, which you've already started, but will still need to continue. Uh, correct. Um, and so and we'll, we'll, we'll be doing that, uh, obviously, with current conditions where, where we've done a lot of webinars and such already. We're looking at setting up something on the, on the pet food side in the, in the coming weeks for sorghum use in pet food diets in, in Vietnam. Um, and uh, and we do have staff on the ground in Vietnam as well uh, in our Kuala Lumpur Malaysia office, which covers all of Southeast Asia. So we're in constant phone and contact with with buyers across uh, the Vietnam market. Very good, Kerry. Thanks a lot. Uh, good to have some good news to talk about, and it sounds like a very positive development uh, for U.S. sorghum growers. Thank you very much. Sure. Thank you. Uh, all right. Just wanted to point out you have a bit. This you know, was a great team effort between the U.S. Grain Council along with our, our sorghum members, the United Sorghum Checkoff Program and the National Sorghum Producers, along with our counterparts at USDA. So it was a great team effort to get this type of thing pushed through and then opening up that Vietnam market for U.S. sorghum. Yeah, a lot of people working together, a lot of groups working together. Very good. Thanks, Kerry. Take care. Sure. Thank you. Kerry Sifereth, he's uh, with the U.S. Grains Council, Senior Director for Global Programs. Big step towards moving U.S. sorghum into Vietnam. Up next, we're going to go to Monmouth, Illinois, and see how that city's working with the Smithfield Foods Plant there for worker safety and how the two are working together. That's next on AOA. Farmers can't choose the weather, trade policy, or market prices. 
but they can choose the most advanced dicamba with confidence. Ingenia Herbicide has the lowest volatility of all dicamba salts for more successful on-target applications. And it's straight from the dicamba experts, BASF. So make the confident choice for your soybean crop. Talk to your BASF rep or authorized retailer. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA restricted-use pesticide. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, there's certainly a lot of focus right now and concern about the, the meat supply chain, the, the, the meat packing plants, and the health of workers in those plants and outside of those plants in the communities in which they live. So we're going to go to one of the communities uh, that's dealing with this directly. We'll go to Monmouth, Illinois. We're going to Western Illinois. Monmouth has a Smithfield Foods plant, and we're joined now by Mayor Rod Davies and City Administrator Lou Steinbrecher. Gentlemen, thank you for being with us. Appreciate it very much. Thank you very much, Mike. We appreciate the opportunity to be with you this morning. Same here, Mike. Pleasure to be here. Uh, Mayor Davies, let's start with you. what is the relationship between uh, Smithfield Foods, your plant there, and, and the city? How do you work together? Well, you know, we, uh, we have to partner on a number of issues uh, where we provide them with water and uh, wastewater treatment services. We work hand-in-hand on a number of issues uh, that goes beyond what most folks might think about. And that relationship has been a good one? Yeah, um, I, I've, I'm starting my 16th year as uh, Monmouth's mayor, and uh, I've worked uh, with a lot of uh, different plant managers and executive officers and even different companies um, uh, in that time, and um, we've certainly worked together. I think we both parties recognize the importance of, uh, of cooperation in order to uh, have a successful operation. We hear a lot about plants closing, some coming back online. Uh, is your plant open right now? Yes, it is. They uh, were going to voluntarily close down for two weeks, um, and they were about a week into that when uh, the president de- declared uh you know the state of emergency and ordered all plants back to back to work and uh so we are working uh, uh this week are you hearing from people in the community obviously the a plant like that that's a, a provider of jobs very needed very welcome important to your economic base there in monmouth and that region uh but are are you hearing from people with any health concerns um, there's been some concerns expressed in the community, um, uh, both for the families and the workers uh, there, and then also members of our community, as there um, a number of those folks are certainly part of our community. And there's there's other families that have expressed concerns about that, and uh, it's certainly been very reassuring to know all of the measures that Smithfield has been taking to try to minimize that. We're talking with Monmouth, Illinois Mayor Rod Davies and City Administrator Lou Steinbrecher. Lou, uh, tell us about some of the steps that the the city's taken there as to uh, ensure as much uh, 
health safety as possible for workers at the plant as well as people in the community and the surrounding area? Sure, sure, Mike. Uh, well, you know, the, the communication between uh, City Hall and, and the uh, plant management has, has been very good, and uh, there has been uh, a, lot of, a lot of effort uh, by Smithfield to uh, improve working conditions there. Um, the, actually, it, it, uh, they've, they've made a number of uh, improvements within the facility. Uh, um, a lot of um, screening has taken place from, from the uh, uh, lunchroom to the, to the work site. Uh, there is constant sanitiz- sanitizing of the, of the hands. They've got employees walking around and, and sanitizing uh, employees' hands every 15 minutes. Uh, they've uh, you know they've they've constructed some outdoor structures uh, to to be able to enable the workers during their breaks to to maintain uh social distancing um, they've even uh, brought in some uh, uh picnic and, and lunch tables some additional uh seating uh and and um that is they're using for example they're using uh metal um uh, picnic tables as opposed to, to wood so that it can be uh, sanitized. They've discontinued uh, use of microwaves and, and vending machines just because of, you know, the constant hand touching of those common uh, um, uh, pieces of equipment or, or um, uh, you know, like the vending machines and what have you. So if they've discontinued that, they do sanitary um, fogging uh, is, is uh, they do that multiple times during the course of the workday, and they've actually uh, started voluntary uh, testing of COVID-19, and I believe that actually started this this morning. So they are uh, um, uh, they actually went out and uh, retained the services of a, of a private testing company to to perform those tests for the employees. So um, they've really done a great job, and you know we're. We're helping them um, uh, communicate that information to the community here. So it's uh, it's been a really good partnership, and, and we've been really impressed with how Smithfield has responded to, to, to this challenge. You mentioned communication. I would think that would be key. It sounds like you're in constant communication with Smithfield. Yes. Uh, we yeah, Multiple times a day we... Uh, um, we haven't had uh, well. We've actually had a couple of uh, you know face-to-face uh, meetings, but most of the communication is, is via the telephone. And I, our Mayor, health department, yeah. our health department's been out there, and and so it was the CDC to go over things, and they certainly listened and have incorporated a number of those. Some of them they'd already had in place, and. Uh, and they've even gone so far as to offer employees over the age of 60 some the opportunity to opt for some paid leave during this time of increased risk. So, um, like I said, and they've asked the people who are not feeling well to be sure and stay home, and they will continue to be paid. And so, they're uh, I think they're certainly working to try to do all they can. Um, and I know there's just you know. Folks in our community are, are concerned that uh, um, what that might mean to the rest of us too. Now, a lot of uh, attention is now being placed on not only safety within the plant for these workers, but once they leave the plant, once they go back home, and I believe for the employees at this facility in Monmouth, they're coming. They commute from what a six-county 
area. Is that right? So they're crossing city lines, uh, maybe even state lines. Uh, what's being done to address the health issues once they leave the plant? I think that, uh, and you're exactly right, there there are employees that, that do come from, from Iowa and the uh, metropolitan quad cities area and what have you, but they do uh, uh, they do encourage uh, their employees uh, when they when they leave to uh, to, to uh, abide by the you know stay at home orders and and, and not not to um, um, you know go out in, in, into public uh, places. So um, and of course that that's a voluntary uh, response on the part of the employees, but they do encourage them to to maintain that social distancing and and staying uh, staying at home as much as possible. I know that they're running uh, videos uh, constantly throughout the day, you know, instructing people on, you know, social distancing and hand sanitizing. And then they have a number of posters throughout the plant in multiple languages that explains, you know, again, the rules and, and you know, the pra- best practices. And uh, so, you know, they're trying to do everything they can do. You know, because, and I know they've shortened up the shifts and they've put an extended time between shifts and uh, in order to minimize the number of people in the plant. And and they're trying to, you know, help people understand and, and learn best practices when they're away from the plant. How many positive cases have you had at the plant and in your community of Monmouth? The city has, uh, we, we have, our health department has reported 86 positive cases as of this morning. I don't have any statistics about the plant or, or uh, any information uh, regarding that specifically. But testing, is that, uh, is that increasing in your area then? Uh, yes. Uh, the, uh, again, the Smithfield uh, uh, company has has acquired tests and a private lab to 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 do all the in order to speed up the testing, and uh, they have have set up a station um, um, to to do that, and it it began today, I believe it is. Yeah, I think it's also important to point out too that uh, the tests that the uh, uh, county uh, uh, public health department uh, have have uh, taken. Uh, while we have had 86 positives, there's been actually more negatives than than positives of of the tests that they have performed. Well, it sounds like, Mayor, it's a very cooperative and sounds like very coordinated effort between Smithfield Foods and your community. Yeah, it, it certainly has, and we've been very fortunate. They've tended to be milder cases. We've only had one hospitalization related to this and so it's uh you know we're 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 grateful for that and uh we're uh, you know we're we're all certainly trying to work through this together it's been uh it, it certainly is uh, uh an area that uh, uh we're breaking some new ground and we're trying to figure this out as as best we can and you know we're surrounded by farms and you know we're in a farm country and um you, you know this this goes out to our farmers who are having to euthanize the hogs and you know right. and the trucking companies that are bringing the hogs in and then the, the trucking companies that are just taking the product away from the distribution centers well thank you both for being with us we hear about this story on a on a 
broad basis, it's good to bring it down to the local level and find out what's going on in these communities. Thank you both for being with us. Thank Thank you, you, Mike. Stay with us. More coming up on AOA. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Network. For farm and ranch information you can depend on and the sources you can trust. Adams on Agriculture and the American Ag Network. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Again, want to thank Mayor Rod Davies and City Administrator Lou Steinbrecher from Monmouth, Illinois, for joining us the last segment. Interesting look at how that community is working with the Smithfield Foods plant there uh, to work on health issues, safety issues, and keep the plant open and protect the community. Good look at how it's being done on a local and regional level. So appreciate them being with us and sharing information. Joining us now from close to that area, go to the Quad Cities area for a planting update, Illinois farmer David Erickson. David, how are you? I'm good, Mike. How are you doing? Very good. Um, The weather's going to change on us here in Illinois. We're looking at some uh, much cooler weather, cold weather, actually, especially for this time of year, especially coming tomorrow night. Um, So where are you with with planting? I would imagine you have some corn coming up that you're going to keep a close eye on. Yeah, I don't think we're going to have enough uh, blankets to get it all covered up in a couple of nights. Um, hopefully, it's uh, in in pretty decent shape. We we're um, we we're fortunate. We've got all of our corn planted, and it is just starting to emerge. Uh, stuff planted, um, you know, starting April twentieth in that week's time frame. And I would say in our area, good good bit of corn has been planted. I don't know that everyone's done, but. Uh, that, but many are, and uh, a lot of soybeans in the ground as well, Mike. Compared to a year ago, where are you? I mean, it, like night and day, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, a year ago, we uh, were fortunate to get about oh, 70% of our corn planted uh, during that same week in April as we did this year. Uh, but then it was the middle of May. Uh, we had a day and a half time frame that turned out to be the worst day and a half to to plant all spring um uh, so the bulk of our all of our soybeans were planted in june last year and um you know some of our corn was replanted in june as well so well, we're much better than last year we haven't had the we've ha- the ground has plenty of moisture um don't get me wrong but it's not as inundated saturated with moisture as what we uh, experienced last year Hmm, interesting. Uh, what about soil temperatures? Obviously, going to take a hit here the next few days. Yeah, well, you know, they warm up slowly. They 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 don't cool down that quickly. So I guess um, you know, as we plant, even uh, we no-till, even as no-till uh, planters, we uh, there's some dark soil that's uh, exposed there. So hopefully that'll radiate uh, the sunshine if we get that. So. Hopefully that if we can keep the sun in the forecast, that um, even if we have the cold temperatures, hopefully that'll help keep soil temperatures up there and, and keep making progress for the crop to emerge. Have you experienced or heard of any uh, challenges in your area for getting the inputs you've needed? Has uh, uh, the supply chain worked for farmers in your area? To my knowledge, Mike, uh, that's all been um, 
working as planned, and um, I haven't heard anything there in regard to crop inputs. Uh, certainly, the the livestock industry, and I know that uh, you were just talking about, it, but the livestock industry's got some tremendous challenges with uh, getting uh, getting live animals harvested at uh, at processing facilities, and uh, how that all shakes out is um, uh, you know, remains to be seen. That could have a uh, effects uh, into the marketplace uh, for many people, consumers, producers, uh, suppliers, uh, uh, for months and months to come. So it sounds like, all things considered, uh, it's been a pretty pretty good, pretty smooth planting season for you thus far. It has. We've been, we're in, a, in an area that's been pretty fortunate. It, when uh, conditions got right, they were kind of right, and uh, yes, we've had a little break here with some moisture, but um, you know, we'll we'll likely get back in the field, um, depending on whether we miss a rain tonight, we'll, we could likely get back in the field tomorrow um, and uh, make some more progress toward finishing up planting. Were there many acres prevent plant last year? And if so, are those coming back into production this year? Uh, there weren't very many prevent plants uh, in our area, Mike, but uh, it appears, yes, that's all coming back in. And it appears it's coming back in in the rotation that it has intended to be historically. So if it was a cornfield that didn't get planted, um, they missed corn last year, they're, they're going back to beans uh, this year, staying with their rotation. Um, at least that's what I observed for the most part. Um, if it was a bean field that get didn't get planted, um, you know, they're planting corn there this year. So um, I'm not a lot of it, but uh, a small amount of it in our area, and it seems to be uh, sticking pretty much to its crop rotation. So the good news is planting's going well for you. The not-so-good news is the price, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of things that have converged onto this market all at once, and uh, I don't think anybody could have uh, foreseen it, uh, let alone predicted it, Um it's going to take us a little time to get work through this, um, but hopefully, is uh, is first one thing and another. You know, maybe uh, as the economy begins to open back up, which I'm strong advocate for, we got to figure out ways to get the economy open back up, or or the effects of a closed economy may be, uh, unfortunately, as bad uh, as the virus that we're fighting as well. And um, if we can get that to happen, we can start get this demand. Uh, and trade moving again on the international front. We can bolster back up the livestock industry so it can get online. People begin consuming, you know, which means uh, more driving more miles. Uh, that'll help the ethanol market. So we, there's lots of pieces, uh, and each one of them plays an important part in, in making it more profitable for farmers. Well, David, good to talk with you again. Uh, stay well, and good luck with the rest of the planning, all right? Great to talk to you, Mike. Thanks. Take care. David Erickson, who farms in that Quad Cities area in Illinois. Appreciate him being with us. That wraps up for today. Tomorrow, we're going to take a look at our meat exports. You know, we're having a challenge, because not because of supply, but because of the distribution, the, the packing plant problems and things like that. Trouble getting meat to some grocery stores and some restaurants. But at the same time, we're moving meat around the world. Our exports have have been strong. We'll talk with the uh, U.S. Meat Export Federation about that. And we'll get an update on plans for this year's Farm Progress Show. That's coming up tomorrow. Hope you'll join us here on AOA. Stay safe, everyone.